Today, we are talking about the National League Central in our divisional previews. Jack Aram, Just Baseball Show, getting back to the first thing you do when you get up in the morning listening to the pod, right? Today is Friday, March 24th. For reminder, bonus episode coming tomorrow. I, is it a bonus? Like, it's the fifth episode of the week, but we are getting... No, I think we're kind of assholes for branding it as a bonus um, because yeah. we have we have not been uh, every day like we normally are during the week. It, it's, it's more of a... Uh, I don't know what, what the best word would be. It's just gotcha. like, well, we're sorry. We'll circle back and give you the episode that you wanted because uh, we were traveling and it was a crazy week, but we promise it'll be worth it because we got a lot of awesome stuff coming up. Yeah, catch-up episode on Catch-up episode. That's that's the way to frame it. Also, you spurred a thought in my mind because I'm very tired. Uh, this is the second episode we're recording today to, to catch up. I'm not tired from recording. I could do this all day. This is yeah. so fun. But you said first thing you listen to in the morning. And the first thing that I've been listening to for the last five days is a rooster super loud outside of the window of our Airbnb. We are now back on Zoom, as I mentioned in the last episode, was Peter and I did the NL East, uh, and and now we do the Central here. Uh, So we are back to sleeping in our own beds and and doing whatever. And this was one of the most fun weeks I've ever had in my life. But one of the lowlights was... There were several roosters, but there was one particular asshole rooster outside of our Airbnb in Miami, uh, which... Dude, I, I I fucking hate that thing. But it would it would go off like whatever you the whatever you call it when it just screams in the morning. Is there a specific word for the noise that they make? Uh, uh yeah, yes. Let me Google it. Yeah, go uh, Google that. And I'll talk. So there were roosters everywhere. We had an Airbnb in Miami, and it was about a couple miles away from Little Havana, where the stadium is. I didn't really know why there were so many roosters everywhere. I thought it was kind of funny. And then I realized you know, I was able to kind of get some some information on that. Um, some people may just want cheap eggs. Others, I believe, want uh, to do a, a ritual with it. It's called Santeria, which you would then sacrifice said rooster. Yep. Um, I love animals. I, I kind of was hoping that they would partake in the ritual earlier <laughs> because I, I I couldn't take it anymore. I'm still recovering from the sleep, but it was cool. I got to wake up the old fashioned way, right? A good old cockadoodle-doo uh, yes. right when I wake up in the morning. Okay. So I was, I was searching my brain for cockadoodle-doo, but the, the scientific term for the sound a rooster makes is crowing. A rooster mm. crows and the sound is cockadoodle-doo. Yeah. Cock-a-doodle-doo at 3, 4, 5 a.m. every now, single morning. Now, that spurred another thought in my head. Here's what it was. It was us three, and it was our videographer, video editor, Will Cohen, in the Airbnb. The Airbnb had a queen bed in one room, a king bed in another room, and a couch. And we decided to play tap roulette, which this is... is you, you one of my better ideas. Finger. Yeah, yes. it was awesome. You put your finger on a phone... And it will randomly choose a finger. So we did that each night to try and divvy it up. And I was lucky enough to get the queen bed one night. You got the queen bed one night. Peter got it one night. 
Um, and I don't think Will got it. Will Will just got hosed. <laughs> I but I don't think it was hosed. I think you hosed yourself. So you spent of the four nights that we were there, I think you spent what three on the couch? Three on the couch. Yes. So here's the thing. You would think that the couch would be the last pick. You know, first pick is always going to be the queen where you sleep by yourself. Second pick is going to be one of the sides of the king. The other pick is going to be one of the sides of the king. And then the fourth pick will be the couch. Now you picked the couch with like the second pick. It was either Wembley or bust. Was... I tried to trade back. I tried to trade back for future draft selection capital. Didn't work. It was too complicated. Nobody was willing to do it. But my, my, my thing was I snore and like, okay. I, I feel so bad when, when, you know, in the morning, Somebody would be like, oh, you, you, you snored all night. And I'm like, ah, oh. I'm kind of self-conscious about it. So, you know, also I fall asleep with the TV on weird quirk of mine too. And I love to watch sports center as I fall asleep. You guys were going to, whoever I share the bed with in, in the other room would have said, can you turn the TV off? I want to go to sleep like a normal person. That's not how I operate. So I just wanted to kind of stick to my routine, um, which entailed me being very, close to a rooster right outside our window. So yeah, tap roulette, great way to decide thing amongst friends. We did that every single day. Um, and that was a lot of fun, but yeah, that, that was kind of what it's like to be on a trip with the idiots from the just baseball show and beyond. Thanks for calling me an idiot. You also saw the campaign for the first time. What'd you think of that one? Will Ferrell, Zach Galifianakis. Unbelievable movie. Need to watch that again. I'm going to. So good. Filipino tilt-to-whirl operators are this nation's backbone. <laughs> NL Central, um, we will work bottom up. So we will go Pirates, Reds, Cubs, uh, Brewers, and Cardinals. We can start with the Pirates, who I've seen a lot of over the last year, and we'll see a lot of again this year as I enter year two in Indianapolis. And I'm going to see some guys that I think are major league ready, but there is a lot of traffic at some of these positions. Good. So we'll we'll start with the lineup here. Austin Hedges and Kevin Ploiecki are likely the, the catching tandem. And then the projected opening day lineup has G-Man Choi at first with Carlos Santana as the DH. Rodolfo Castro is at an impressive spring at second base. O'Neill Cruz, Mr. Everything at short. Key Brian Hayes, the platinum glove candidate at third. Uh, and then Brian Reynolds, Jack Sawinski, and Andrew McCutcheon lining the outfield with the projected bench being Ploiecki, Jiwon Bay, King Connor Joe, and Travis Swaggerty, who has had an awesome spring as well. A lot of youth here. This isn't the most dreadful lineup in baseball, and I don't think it's close to the bottom. Yeah, it's a low bar, but my, my comment was going to be this team doesn't suck. Yeah. Um, which is good. And I think they're they're a popular over win total team, which then now makes me a little bit nervous about how they're going to perform. Right. I don't know how they do in the win loss column, because I do think the pitching is going to be an issue for them. I think they're going to lose a lot of games just off of not being able to maintain leads. But just in terms of watchability, in terms of of what Pirates fans and just baseball fans in general can enjoy in watching this team, is that you are watching guys that are going to be around the league for a long time if they're young and veterans who have some intrigue, right? Even from uh, you, you go to an Andrew McCutcheon type, like I'm going to watch Andrew McCutcheon in a Pirates jersey, even if he has a 7-10 OPS. Like that's just nice for me to see. Carlos Santana, like that at least is a guy that is producing above average WRC plus numbers. Like there's a watchability of this team that I like. And 
you mentioned the the busyness at each position. There were competitions at each position, yeah. and guys won them. And I think that really kind of helps, or maybe some are still undecided, but that kind of helps make you feel a little bit better about this team when when some of the spots in the lineup were, were actually earned and not just given by default because they suck. Yes, 100%. And I think the best example of that is second base, where you had an open competition with two guys that I got to watch a lot of in g Bay and Rodolfo Castro. I think Bay is the better player. I love Jiwon Bay. I think that guy is a perfect leadoff hitter for a major league baseball team. But what Rodolfo Castro does is very O'Neill Cruz light, where there's some frustration there. He's obviously not built like O'Neill. He's not a six, seven shortstop that, that runs as fast as everybody and pumps out one twenties, but Rodolfo Castro can hit the crap out of the ball when given the perfect pitch to do so. He is a really good athlete. He can move exceptionally well. He's got a strong arm. I think this guy plays a frustrating yet exciting brand of baseball when he's right. I think he earned it too. I like Bay better long-term as well, uh, but you got to kind of, if you, if you brand it as a competition, you got to reward the guy who who won the competition, right? And, and that was Castro. And also Castro had a had a pretty nice big league cameo last year. I mean, I know the 299 OBP is not always the sexiest thing in the world, but he slugged a little bit. Uh, he hit 11 home runs. He got better as the year went on. And, and you mentioned the athleticism and the versatility. He, he produced a, a positive war. He was a one-win player in 71 games, but again, got better as the year went on. It wouldn't be crazy to see Rodolfo Castro be a two-and-a-half, three-win player. And on a team like the Pirates, that should be an everyday guy. I think Bay's going to find a way to force himself into the lineup. And at the end of the day, between Bay and Castro, these are two guys that can move all over, right? Castro played 32 games a second, 24 games at third, 19 games at short. Bay can move all over as well. He could play center. He could play second. He could probably play third if you really wanted him to. Play left a little bit too. Exactly. So these two guys, I think, are going to both force their way into the lineup, and that's a good thing for the Pirates. I I think this lineup is – it's not great. There's not a lot of star power, really. I think Brian Reynolds is going to bounce back, but at least one through nine – there's not this like glaring, holy crap, this guy sucks besides the catching position. But yeah. but but your hedges is hedges. Like, and that's the guy you want working with some of these young pitchers. So if that's your gaping hole, I, I think you're feeling all right. Other thing is I'm pitching G1 Bay as the opening day center fielder. Cause right now it's looking like it's either going to be one of Jack Sawinski or Travis Swaggerty. I think we should move the goalposts on Swaggerty a little bit because I was impressed with Swaggerty last year. He is not going to be a three-hitting center fielder or a two-hitting center fielder. This guy is an exceptional fourth outfielder with a borderline great glove in center. So I think Swaggerty provides a serious service for them. Sawinski, we know about the pop. We also know about the strikeouts. I think Bay is as good in center as Sawinski, you know, can, can hold a candle to Swaggerty defensively, and Bay is a much better hitter than the both of them. So I would pitch Bay in center with Swaggerty as the backup, but having Sawinski, Swaggerty, and G1 Bay to juggle in center with McCutcheon and Brian Reynolds in the corners, not the worst thing in the world at all. Rotation. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say to your point, Swaggerty was spectacular, has been spectacular this spring. Maybe he made an adjustment. At the end of the day, first-round pedigree, 25-year-old guy, it's never too late. Top 10 pick pedigree, man. Yeah. Um, Rotation. 
this is where the traffic lies. Hey, and before we move off the outfield, there's some traffic there. I mean, you got a guy like Kanan Smith and Jigbo who's playing really well in the spring. Cal Mitchell will probably be down in AAA. Mitchell dazzled in AAA last year. Even a guy like Tukapita Marcano will not make it. Ryan Valade will probably not make it. Miguel Andujar probably won't make the team. Um, so there's going to be some, some big league talent waiting in AAA for the call-up. Rotation. Mitch Keller is the opening day starter. Rowanzi Contreras is electric. And I think everybody, you know, was reintroduced to Rowanzi during the World Baseball Classic. Yep. Then you've got 43-year-old Rich Hill. You got JT Brubaker. And then you got Vince Velasquez as the five. I do not expect Velasquez to last the whole year because this may be the best AAA rotation you will find. Maybe the best rotation you will find in minor league baseball. Luis Ortiz, Mike Burrows, Quinn Priester, Johan Oviedo, who's part of the Quintana deal, and then Kyle Nicholas. That's an excellent, excellent yeah. five waiting in the wings. Yeah, you know, we'll, we will be doing a, an episode on the call-up of, like, best minor league teams. We do that every year, or best minor league rotations, whatever, like, just to give you a watch guide for MILB TV. Um, that's going to be a rotation that, to your point, without a doubt, will be one of the rotations to watch. And I'm no. happy for you, man. I'm happy for you because, dude, it's a long season. It's nice that every single day you go to the ballpark, you know that there's at least a 90% chance you're getting a starting pitcher of intrigue. Yes, 100%. And the con, if you do decide you want to watch one of these guys, you have to sit through me a little bit. Yes, more. which which I promise for those listening, uh, you know, it, it gets better. It gets more tolerable. Um, I, I almost enjoyed Jack by the end of the year. It was, it was, it was pretty fun, uh, but no, Jack and Howard do an unbelievable job. One of the, is, he, is Howard the longest tenured broadcaster in, in the minor leagues? I think so. He's about to start year 47 as the voice it, of the Indianapolis it's, Indians. It's, it's, it's an awesome duo to have you two there. And I, I, I tuned into I, I've lost count. I tuned into a lot of games and really enjoyed it. So I encourage those who want to hear some more Jack or just keep up with the Pirates AAA, definitely tune into some of those games. But real quick point on the on the AAA arms. I think Luis Ortiz is pretty much big league ready now. I don't blame them for wanting to to have him throw a little bit in AAA. That's yeah. that's fine. I think that's an excusable he, really uh, spotty assignment. command. Really yeah. spotty command in his big league cameo last year. I thought it got better, and I think with the sinker, he's going to start getting confidence and pounding the zone, trusting that he can pitch to contact. I think Ortiz could be is going to be the first guy up, and and will make that rotation a lot more exciting. Yeah, I think so too. The uh, it, there was another point that I made. I hopped on at Bucks in the Basement, which is a minor league podcast, mm -hmm. and um, we, we were talking about Endy, and he said it, it might be nice that that Endy is catching some guys that he will be on the big league team with 100%. for at least six years. And I said a hundred percent. And if he's able to catch Luis Ortiz's a hundred mile an hour sinker. And Mike Burrow's 2,500 RPM fastball at the top of the zone. He can catch any fastball on the face of the earth. I promise you Correct. that. 100%. But Keller, I drink the Kool-Aid again with the Tread Athletics videos, like 100. Um, he did get up to, what, 98, 99 during the spring. Um, but Rowanti Contreras is the absolute truth. I totally think this guy breaks out this year. I think he's one of the best young arms in Major League Baseball. I, I think he, he is cut from the same cloth as Edward Cabrera and where, yeah. which the stuff is there. I think the command might even be, is probably better than Edward. It is better than Edward, but it's just about the health. If, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be fantastic. I agree. I think Roanzi's special. Also to answer your question on Mitch Keller, he is up to 99 this spring. 
Yeah, how much stock do you place in that arm? <laughs> Not much at all, but this like cut fastball he's been throwing has been pretty nasty. I think Keller could be fine, could be solid. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the bullpen, David Bednar, the all-star is the closer. Will Crow had a really solid year last year. Then you go to Dwayne Underwood Jr. Just threw for Puerto Rico in the WBC. Chase DeYoung went from journeyman starter to really good middle reliever for them a year ago. Then you got Colin Holderman, who came over in the Daniel Vogelbach deal. Dowry Moretta, who came over in the Kevin Newman deal. Yeri De Los Santos, who I think is a big league closer in waiting. I think when Bednar moves on, it's Yeri's job. Uh, and then I do want to shout out Jose Hernandez, a lefty taken in the Rule 5 draft from the Dodgers, and Colin Selby, who's a lefty that's at 100 with a great slider that's waiting in the wings that was 40-man protected. Yeah, and they've got you know Harleen Garcia, who yep. has had some really nice stretches over the last couple of years. As, He's dealing as with some bicep discomfort right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yes, but you know that that is not the worst thing in the world. That's much better than forearm, bicep stuff. That's like a common mar- March flare-up thing. Um, I think he'll be fine. And I mean, this was a guy that in 2021 had a two, six, two out of the pen, you know, and even in last year, a three, seven, four as a lefty out of the pen, like that's not great, not nearly as good, but, but usable. And then in 2020, he was one of the best relievers in that abbreviated season in all of baseball. So that's another good arm. This bullpen for a bad team, not bad at all. And and I think they're going to probably flip some of these guys, not named Will Bednar, which is always good for a rebuilding team. Moving to Cincinnati, this team has some serious intrigue to it, but you also see TJ Friedel and Kevin Newman and Jake Fraley in the opening day lineup, and you say, okay, they're still the Reds. I promise you positive things are coming to Cincinnati. They're very close. They're in double A. They're in triple A. There are some guys that will be in high A for a month and then go to Chattanooga. So we'll walk through the Reds. Just know It may be a tough season, but things are going to get a little bit better. And we have to wax poetic about one starter who looked flat out excellent on Wednesday in the spring. But starting with the lineup, you've got Tyler Stevenson slated as the opening day catcher. He will catch as many games as he is healthy for. Luke Maley and Kurt Casale are the backup plans. They may both be on the opening day roster. First base, Will Myers likely with Joey Votto as the DH. You could also flip-flop those two, although I think Votto is on his last legs. Yeah. Um, You've got India, a a healthy India, fingers crossed, at second. Kevin Newman, likely the shortstop, although Jose Barrero has looked decent this spring. Um, Spencer Steer, who we like as a sleeper rookie of the year pick, is likely the opening day third baseman. And then from left to right in the outfield, TJ Friedel, uh, Will Benson, who is awesome, was acquired from Cleveland for pennies on the dollar. Uh, and then you've got Jake Fraley in right with Chad Pinder rounding out the bench with Barrero, Casale, and Maley. This offense is not good, but there are some pieces that you can watch and you can palette when you turn on a Reds game. I, look, it, it could be okay. It could be all right because... I, you but that's at, the absolute ceiling. Okay is the absolute ceiling. That's to me. Okay. Is, you know, kind of league average. Obviously they get the home bump. They're going to be below average, but there's a scenario here. I think John India is going to be closer to that rookie season this year. Yeah. He looks more athletic. He laid down a bunt in the game. I was watching the other day. He was moving. He was moving pretty well. Um, I, I'm not feeling great about Votto, but he could back into 20 homers still. Will Myers, this is a perfect spot for Will, right? I mean, he's still 32. He's finally healthy. He looked 
He's looked pretty decent this spring. Myers could be a nice, just solid bat for them. It's all about Tyler Stevenson and how healthy he's going to be. You know, Stevenson should be the best bat in this lineup if he's 100% healthy. I'm all the way in on Spencer Steer, and I love what I've seen from Mo Benson this spring. Yeah. I love what I saw from Mo Benson in AAA. I know you did, and he had a sick swing on Wednesday. Uh, the other way, inside out, 3-2, just a line drive for a double. He can move. He's going to play a good center field. He's going to walk. I think that was one of the best additions that, that any team has made under the radar this spring. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be rough probably over the 162, but this team is more balanced. I know Mets fans or Mets fans, Reds fans love Friedel and Fraley. I think one of those guys will, will, will come out and be, you know, an above average hitter. And Who the other is going to be like, why did we love him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, which I get like one of them is going to be all right. Um, this lineup's fine. It's fine. Um, I'm kind of out on Barrero though. I, I I'm, I'm kind of waving the white flag on him. So Barrero was a frustrating watch sure. last year. Like he's kind of been a frustrated watch his entire career. He was a futures game participant when he was Jose Garcia. If you remember Jose Garcia, that is the same guy, Jose Barrero. Um, but Barrero is the kind of guy where things avalanche on him, where if he makes an error, you will see him strike out the next half inning. Like it's very hard for him to put things in the rear view. And that is not talking to him. Like that's no information that I've gathered from, you know, speaking to him. It's just, Watching him play as many games as I got the opportunity to watch him play, a lot of it is just like if he's having a good game, it's a good game. But if he's having a bad game, he's going to be bad for two and a half, three hours. It's not going to get right in the sixth, seventh inning, which is unfortunate. And especially when you are on a team that probably won't win as many games as three or maybe four teams in this division, you have to be able to compartmentalize the bad. And I'm worried about Barrero's ability to do that. Will Benson, I'm not worried about that at all. And Benson is, we were just having this conversation when we were together in Miami about George Valera. Valera, really talented bat in the Cleveland Guardian system, but he doesn't fit the Guardian mold. And you ask, okay, what's the Cleveland Guardian mold? The mold in the outfield is Stephen Kwan, Will Brennan, right? Guys that don't swing and miss, guys that can push five to 10 out, but will sneak up on 300 and play really good defense. There's swing and miss in Valera's game. There was swing and miss in Will Benson's game. He didn't fit the guardian mold, but what he does do to hedge the strikeouts is walk more than anybody else in AAA last year and put together the, the ability to hit 20 to 25 homers at Great American Ballpark. This guy's yeah. built like a Greek god. He's what, 6'5", 230? Yeah, and he, he can move. Yes. Like he, he can play a legit center field. The reason why the Guardians moved him is there's a 40-man crunch. Uh, they were going to have to do it at some point, um, and, and they preferred Will Brennan. I don't blame him. Again, he fits the mold, like you said. Uh, but this guy can play all three outfield spots. He has crazy raw power, and, and he walks. I, I, I think that Benson could realistically be one of the best performers on this team offensively. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think this was a great pickup for them. Jake Fraley had a 121 WRC plus last year, by the way. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what he does. Like he seems like the perfect guy for that, that bump, that great American bump. Uh, and, and I think that he could, he could sneak in 20 home runs, play fine defense and, and uh, 10 to 15 bags. And that's a really nice season. So I think Jake Fraley's a guy to look out for too. This lineup will not, will not be that bad. And it could be close to, to average, depending on what they get from like the youngsters in Benson and Steer. But those are two guys I really like.
if you were to put together like t- a team MVP power rankings, most valuable hitter, because I think we, we would have a pitcher or two sneak into that team MVP. Give me your top three. If you were at the end of the year going to go through and say, okay, these are first, second, third place for most valuable hitter on the Cincinnati Reds. Man, that's a good question. I, I think I'd go one Stevenson, assuming he stays healthy. Same. Two, two would be India. Three, man, I think three, I could easily go with either a Fraley, Steer, or Benson. Like, I think it's right. It's between those three guys. So I go uh, Stevenson one, India two, Steer three, with Benson coming in fourth. So you're not buying the 121 Fraley WRC plus? Not really. Like Jake Fraley may be hitting in the middle of the order for the Cincinnati Reds. Like he's an eight hitter on a good team. I'd probably go steer, steer in that three spot. And then between Fraley and Benson, I'll side with the tools of Benson. Uh, But Fraley, Fraley's got a shot to be right in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, All right. Starting rotation. You've got a couple of guys that just, Hit the mend, right? Justin Dunn is dealing with shoulder discomfort. Luke Wavers got a forearm thing. And then didn't Luis Sessa just get hurt as well? Did he get hurt? I think so. I believe so, yes. So if Sessa's out of the fold, then we're probably looking at an opening day five of Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, check. Then you got Brandon Williamson, who's forced up sooner than he probably should be. And how do you go with the five spot? Is it Connor Overton in short inning spurts? I don't think you force up a Levi Stout or a Connor Phillips or an Andrew Abbott. Let me be very clear. This is the worst four five, I think, in Major League Baseball. Not close. No, I don't think it's necessarily close. I don't know what the hell the Reds are doing on that front. The one, two, three, awesome. Um, We've talked about Green and Lodolo a ton. I think everyone knows how talented those two guys are. Ashcraft has been spectacular we watched him against a kind of b team for the padres on wednesday night i don't care he tweaked the breaking ball so it's more of of it's more of a sweeper shape and it's it's harder so it's breaking more and it's harder and he's getting more swing and miss off of the gyro cutter i'm all in on the ashcraft like breakout this year and i think he's going to be a really solid number three he's he's 25 he's really talented where it's concerning is the four or five to your, to answer your question. So Brandon Williamson kind of backs into a rotation spot. He didn't earn a guy that I really liked as a prospect, but man, what was he rough last year? And uh, now he's probably one of their better options in the four slash five spot. It sucks that Luke Weaver got hurt, but it kind of shows you how exposed they are. Justin Dunn's going to be out for a while with a shoulder thing. Again, Vladimir Gutierrez underwent Tommy John surgery. I, Lucas Sims back surgery. Like they don't have anybody like Andrew Abbott would be an absolute rush. And that's one of your best pitching prospects. Do you really want to do that? We're probably going to see Levi stout at some point early this season, which is crazy. Do you think they force a Connor Phillips up? That would be absolutely just malpractice to do that. I think it would be malpractice. Yeah, no, no. The answer would be no. I don't think they do that. And if they do, they should be arrested. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fair. Um, yeah, man, I, I think they don't have many options. If you don't want to stifle the growth of your pitching prospects, like they may have to suck it up and go with Connor Overton for a couple of starts. Um, another guy that like, 
you know, we've seen some lesser prospects get up and make the major league debut. So it doesn't stunt the growth of some of their other, like more blue chip prospects. I think a guy like Carson Spires could make some sense. 25 year old that looks triple a ready, but he's not a major league starter at this point in his career. They're going to be starting non-major league starters on the fifth day of the season, which is really unfortunate. I hope the health gets better. Uh, I hope Sessa's thing is very short-term. I hope Luke Weaver's thing is very short-term, short term, although forearm discomfort always kind of freaks me out. Look at Lance McCullers as Exhibit A. Um, Ashcraft, though, I do want to revisit that. You mentioned that he looked awesome against the Padres, quote-unquote B team. Six innings, one hit, no runs, 10 punch-outs, no walks. And that Padres team included, I mean, Adam Engel, Rugnet Odor, Nelson Cruz, David Dahl, Jose Azokar. Those are quadruple-A guys, but they're guys that, you know, are are serviceable major leaguers. Uh, And Ashcraft, for him to dominate a triple-A caliber lineup like that, tells you all you got to know. There's a bit more whiff to his arsenal, you think, now, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I think that's from the change of the breaking ball shape and, and it being harder and more of a sweeper, which sweepers are taking over the game. Look at Shohei's sweeper he threw the other day right. uh, to, to Mike Trout. I mean, sweepers are what the Yankees preach. It's what a lot of organizations are preaching. And Ashcraft, you know, subscribe to that. Uh, and I think it really it, it goes it works off of the the gyro fastball really well. And also his command has just been spectacular. Like even if he was throwing a bullpen and there was no one in the box yesterday, the way he was spotting up that gyro cutter was phenomenal. So I think he's getting more swing and miss. He's always going to be a ridiculous ground ball guy. The thing that stood out to me the most in that start, dude, is 10 Ks, eight ground balls, yeah. no flyouts, dude. So for for a Reds pitcher, that's what you need desperately. Especially that's why we like Lodolo over Green. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the most exciting young three headed monsters in in baseball rotation wise. Yeah. It's just it's just a crazy juxtaposition with the four or five. Yes, um, I I think a lot of Reds fans hopped on the Ian Jabot bandwagon. I think he pitched for Great Britain in the WBC. Uh, you also have Fernando Cruz, who was on Puerto Rico's team in the WBC. Cruz was a AAA closer. I think he led the International League in saves a year ago. So, you know, you're, you're looking at two guys that can get outs. Um, Raver San Martin will likely be in the bullpen. It's not a good bullpen, with the exception of Alexis Diaz, who will be the closer. Alexis Diaz is an electric arm. He is a subdued version of Edwin. And, <laughs> like, New York media immediately said... Well, why don't we just trade for his brother? Uh, Shut up. I think if the price is perfect, Nick Kroll would say yes. But yeah, respectfully, shut up. Because Alexis Diaz looks like the closer of the future for the Cincinnati Reds. They're going to be really good really soon. And I think they want Alexis Diaz pitching in the ninth inning. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're... Nick Kroll is a great, I think a great GM. We've talked about it. We've sang the praises. You you take every call on Alexis Diaz because if you get offered a you know an impactful prospect haul for, for a sure. closer, for take sure. It. But the, the the New York media already jumping on. Oh, let's just go get his brother. Literally, Kroll said, "I haven't received a single call about Alexis Diaz specifically from the Mets." And then the next day, we get a John Heyman piece in the New York Post about why why this could happen. I'm just like, all right, just just to stop. So he, he's going to start the season a red, and the only time I see him getting dealt is if some team ponies the hell up at the deadline. Your your weekly reminder that Steve Cohen is not the general manager of the New York Mets. The GM of the New York Mets is Billy Epler, and he's really good at his job. 
Uh, so he knows he's not going to pay a King's ransom for a closer that has one year of major league service time under his belt. You so, would have to move a Mark Vientos. Like you're going to do that. Are you, do you want to move Vientos for Plus. a guy that, yeah, for a guy that may suck? Like, Hey, welcome to the business of relief pitching. Yeah. I, I think the Mets should know that as well as anybody, but yeah, uh, Billy Epler is not a Mets fan. He works for the Mets and is really good at constructing a Mets roster. Yeah. Um, so I trust him to make the right decision and not forfeit the world for Alexis Diaz as a one year, like, you know, substitution approach. hundred yeah. percent. So yeah, man. one he, other name. Yeah. TJ Antone. I, I love TJ Antone. Starting to just lose, lose hope that he's ever going to be healthy. You know, he was supposed to come back to, to start the year and be ready to go underwent a PRP injection kind of delayed his return. That guy is is lights out in the back end if he's healthy. So that's a big a big X factor for the bullpen as well. Uh, hopefully, TJ Antone can get back. Uh, and I don't know when Lucas Sims is supposed to get back. I don't think it's anytime soon off of a back surgery. Yeah. Is Tyrone Guerrero on this roster? I would love to see 104 mile an hour bullets from Tyrone Guerrero. Tyrone Guerrero is still around? I, I think I, he's I didn't still know. kicking. I thought he was look out, roster, look out for but... Ricky Karcher too. Kind of nasty. Uh, Ricky Karcher. I, I have some thoughts about. I know. I know. But he's gross. He's gross. I he know he walks gross. everybody. I understand. He's gross. He is gross. Uh, Tyrone Guerrero. I, I wonder if he's pitching in the spring give Reds fans an ETA of when you think they will be like fully watchable for the national baseball fan. The second Ellie Dilla Cruz gets there. You just asked me for an ETA on Ellie Dilla Cruz. I think pretty much uh, McLean too, I guess. Yeah. Ellie and McLean probably the same. I think end of this year, like I, I think we're going to see some like August, September call-ups and this team's going to be so fun, you know? Like, yeah. I was just gonna say like, we're going to get McLean up there. We're going to get Ellie up there. Probably um, you're going to get some of these other youngsters up. You may get a Phillips Maybe, but, yeah. or an Abbott. Yep. It's going to be fun. Then At that point, then it'll be fun joining Steer and some of the others in this lineup in Benson. So I'd say end of this year, September call-up, there's going to be some fun some fun aspects to this lineup. Yeah. So Tyron Guerrero, six innings with the Reds so far in spring training, 10 hits, nine earned, seven punch outs, six That's walks. Good. Yeah. So Don't yeah, think he's he throws a billion miles an hour, but it's either right down the plate or it's a non-competitive pitch. Yes. Let's move on to the Chicago Cubs here. And the Cubs, obviously, they were one of the stories in the National League when it came to free agency. They had a really good offseason. And here's what the team looks like going into opening day. Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart are the catchers. Might be a platoon deal where Barnhart is seeing righties and Jan is seeing lefties. Um, Then you move to first base, probably Eric Hosmer. Uh, Second starts the best defensive middle infield in baseball, probably with Nico Horner at second and Dansby Swanson, who just signed that, you know, over a hundred million dollar deal at short. Then you got Patrick wisdom likely at third uh, outfield left to right. Ian Happ, Cody Bellinger, Trey Mancini um, pick your poison. Like could be Edwin Rios as the DH. They may just, you know, forfeit that spot and have it as a revolving door. You've got Nick Madrigal, Zach McKinstry, Christopher Morell waiting in the wings Matt Mervis, like we think is going to be there soon. Miles Mastroboni provides some depth. Um, other than that, man, th- that's kind of it. Nelson Velasquez can provide some depth as well as a fourth yeah, once, outfielder. Once Suzuki gets back, I think this lineup's going to look really, really, really solid. Uh, the, the year of the oblique, uh, Suzuki's yet another oblique casualty. Um, yeah. But, you know, you put Suzuki in this lineup, this is, this is a pretty solid lineup, depending on two bounce back candidates, Bellinger, Mancini. 
Yeah. I think Mancini is going to swing it this year. I think Bellinger won't be worse, obviously. Uh, he got a little bit better last year. Fangraphs has him projected for like a 715, 720 OPS. If he gives you that with the defense you get in center, 18, 20 bombs and you know 10 to 15 bags, like that's a pretty good player. I think you're pretty happy with that, and I think he, he could be better than that. Um, where, where I'm kind of iffy on this team is the third, the corners and DH, right? Wisdom at third slash Rios, Hosmer at first slash Mancini, and then DH slash any of those guys along with Morel in the fold there. Those are all power positions. Those are all production positions. And I don't feel like there's a lot of production there at any of those spots. Um, so yeah. I, while I like Mancini, it looks like he might be playing the outfield until Suzuki comes back. When Suzuki comes back, then you know, I'll feel a little bit better about the, the corner situation with first slash DH. Uh, but you know, they've got some things to to figure out there. I think they want to give Morel some opportunity, uh, but it, it's a little bit iffy in the corners in the DH spot. I think perfect lineup um, with Suzuki healthy could be Barnhart catching Mervis at first, Horner at second, Swanson at short. Uh, I would put Morel at third, although yeah. apparently, like, I don't know, maybe they go with wisdom, but I think Morel is the better third baseman. Uh, then you got Happ in left, Bellinger in center, Suzuki in right, and the DH being Trey Mancini with Eric Hosmer shot into the stratosphere. Yes, I agree with that. And that's the good news is they have Hosmer, or excuse me, they have Mervis right there waiting in the wings, ready to go uh, whenever they decide to call him up, which I think will be after he goes nuclear for a month in AAA again. What do you make of Morrell? He's one of the tougher reads out there, I think, man. I really do. He's still just 23. He hit 16 bombs last year. He's super versatile, super tooled up. I think he's cut from the same cloth as your boy, Jose Siri. He really is. You know, maybe not as a lead of a defender and center, but he can also play third. He can also play all over. Like this is a guy that played 57 games in center, 33 at second, 18 at third, 13 at short, and even a game in left. Like this guy played all over the freaking diamond. I think he could be that like Chris Taylor type, but man, he's got to figure out the approach a little bit more. I, I still, I want to see more like the Cubs. You're not, you're probably not competing for a spot. Like I'd rather see what Morrell could do every day than just rolling out a Pat wisdom and saying, Oh, he'll be a little bit more consistent offensively. Like, let's see what Morrell can do, even though it was a disaster in the second half. Yeah. I don't think they're in a spot to make the postseason. And my question is, does David Ross think that they're going to make the postseason? Do Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins think that they're going to make the postseason? If they do, I understand wisdom for the consistency aspect, but if they do feel like they are a year away, which I think they should feel like, yes, especially with Drew Smiley as the four, yes. um, you should be considering playing Morel a lot because you got to figure out you know, what he is. Is he the bad version of Javi Baez? Is he the good version of Javi Baez? Is he the good version of Jose Siri? Is he the bad version of Jose Siri? Let's find out together about Christopher Morel. So I am pro Morel. I think that guy is going to be a good big leaguer because he is so ridiculously tooled up, but he's got to make some changes. I don't know if those are minor league changes. I think those might be changes that he has to make at the major league level. And it is, it has everything to do with seeing major league pitching and seeing major league breaking balls. Um, 100%. Marcus Stroman is going to start on opening day. After that, you've got Jamison Tyone, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley, and likely Hayden Wesneski, who uh, is is filling in now that Kyle Hendricks is on the mend as well. Noted name as the six is a guy that should have captured a lot of people's hearts during the World Baseball Classic. 
in Javier Assad. I would love if they had that five with Assad as the six slash swingman. Strowman, Tyone, Steele, feel good about that three. Smiley is the four. I'd prefer if he wasn't on the roster, but I understand why they did it. Uh, and then Wesneski and Assad as the two young guys as the five and swingman, I think is flat out awesome. I think Assad is better than Smiley right now. I, I, um, I agree. You know, they'll they'll find that out, right? Like they'll, they'll and they probably already know it, but. You know, Smiley will make a few starts. He'll be kind of iffy, and then he'll be that swingman type, which is a perfect role for him. Again, it's all about depth when it comes to the rotation. You want that sixth or seventh starter. Uh, but Assad is it looks looks the part. I think he's ready. He'll prove it with a few big league starts, or excuse me, a few AAA starts uh, to start the season. Or well, he might somehow find a way to to work his way into the team if he, they put him in the bullpen and ends up making some spot starts. Justin Steele's been a little iffy uh, in spring training. I like Steele a lot. I, I think he looked really good last year, but he's had a he said he was felt like he was thrown underwater, which yeah. was which was interesting. He just couldn't find the release point. Maybe it's a little bit of dead arm. We'll see how he how he you know kind of works through that. But you know, there's no ace in this rotation. But Stroman and Tyone are proven and and pretty consistently solid. Uh, I, I love Wesneski. And I think there's a legit scenario where Wesneski is the the best F war arm in this in this rotation. He gets the whiffs. He gets ground balls and. I mean, he he's just an interesting arm at 25 years old. He was spectacular to finish the year last year. He's been good this spring. I think Wesneski might be the best arm in this rotation by the end of the year, and that's not crazy to say. A couple of names that I want to throw at you as, as depth. Like, I know what Adrian Sampson is. I'd prefer Assad making starts over Adrian Sampson. Um, if this rotation does deal with guys going down at the midseason mark, what do you think about Caleb Killian, who's going to be 26 around the midseason mark? And Ben Brown, who's still 23 years old, was acquired in that David Robinson deal. Yeah, Killian was a surprise last year. I know you and I both liked him a lot, and I, I liked what he showed in triple. I liked what he showed at points in the big leagues. I, th- I think Caleb Killian, Caleb Killian, who, by the way, came over in that Chris Bryant deadline deal with the Giants along with Canario. Killian last year in 21, sorry, two years ago in 2021, led minor league baseball in strikeout to walk rate. So the number of strikeouts compared to the number of walks, he was the best in all of minor league baseball at that. Um, Last year, he got his first big league taste and he struggled in Iowa and with the Cubs. No command. The command just kind of went to the wayside. So I'm very fascinated to see how he bounces back from that. But this is a guy that I thought at that point when the trade went down, that was on a, on a fast track to a four or five starter type. He can still easily get back there. He's just 25 years old. I'm very excited to see how Killian starts the year in AAA because that could be a nice option for them as well. I'm still holding out hope for him as a rotation piece. And then who is the other guy you asked about? Ben Brown. Oh, Brown might be one of the most talented arms in this system. Uh, you know, it's, it's about seeing if he can be stretched out and, and seeing if he can have that third pitch kind of mixed in a bit more. But the fastball curveball combination, it's a plus fastball. It's a plus curveball. It's a hammer. He will strike out guys in bunches. At the very least, you've got a high leverage reliever here, but I think he's starting to prove that he can be a legit starter. Um, he's still probably uh, a full season away. Maybe we see him at the end of the year, but Brown is a dude. If they're somehow competing, I could see them bringing him up and putting him in a bullpen roll down the stretch. Like he's that nasty. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I like Brown as a possible bullpen option. Keegan Thompson is also a possible bullpen option now, swingman type. Um, Michael Fulmer and Brad Boxberger, they signed to a free agent deal. Really sneaky signing here or a waiver claim was Julian Merriweather, who looked yes. really strong for Toronto. If he can bounce back, 
uh, we may be looking at a great steal of a waiver claim for the Cubs. Another one that you shouldn't really be sleeping on, and, and Rowan Wick is a known name. Brandon Hughes is kind of a known name at this point. Adbert Alzali looked like a strong, young starting pitcher for the Cubs, then was dealing with injury. Now he's a bullpen guy. He's had a pretty solid spring as a true reliever. I think if you've got Adbert Alzali in this bullpen, Cody Hoyer should come back from Tommy John surgery at around the midseason mark. And Jeremiah Estrada as well, who has been dynamite as a reliever at every level of the minor leagues. I think this bullpen is certainly no slouch. I think they're missing the ninth inning guy, but I think they have a bunch of seventh and eighth inning guys that can get the job done. And two proven vets, pretty consistent guys, and Brad Boxberger, Michael Fulmer. Yeah. Um, th- this should be a solid bullpen. I-, I think it'll be an above average bullpen overall. And Wick was spectacular. Like you said, if Merriweather's the X factor, and man, if if he looks like the 100 mile an hour guy with a nasty breaking ball, this bullpen could be pretty solid. Yeah, I think so as well. All right, Milwaukee. Um, lineup likely going to be William Contreras catching with Victor Caratini serving as his backup. Uh, you've got Rowdy Telez at first, who was a semifinalist in the WBC with Team Mexico. You've got Bryce Terang, the uh, the rookie, who uh, we think can be a sleeper for Rookie of the Year at second. Uh, Willie Adamas at short. Luis Urias at third. Urias, crazy, crazy nuke off Roki Sasaki in the semi, and then the outfield from left to right, Christian Yelich, Garrett Mitchell, uh, and Brian Anderson, possibly, with Jesse Winker as the DH. Then you got Owen Miller, Mike Brasso, Keston Hero waiting, and of course, we know about that young stable of outfielders. We haven't even mentioned Sal Freelich and Joey Weimer, who should be knocking on the door big time. This lineup, I feel like, is one of the better lineups that we've seen from the Brewers in the Christian Yelich era. Yeah, this is one of one of the better teams that they've put put around him, and it's ironic because it, now it's not about putting it around him; it's about just trying to circumvent the the lack of production you're getting from your most expensive player in the corner, which is yeah. is a shame. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, Yelich is still an above average hitter in, in this game, and then he was better in the second half. He had a 115 WRC plus in the second half. Uh, but you can't rely on him to be MVP Yelich, so you need to have a balanced lineup from top to bottom. I loved the William Contreras edition. I think that's, I mentioned it as one of the more underrated moves that was made, you know, over, over this off season, he could hit 30 for them. Right. Um, and then you, you know, the kind of power that Rowdy Tellez has, you mentioned Luis Farias, the outfield is kind of a, a little bit of a question, but they, they hedge that with just a million options. Yeah. I think Brian Anderson's going to be sneaky good this year. And he also gives you the versatility to plug in, in the infield when you need it. Um, yeah. and, and if he's healthy, he hits the crap out of the ball and he's been you know kind of buried in Marlins park for a long time. Lone Depot park now, but I like the additions of Contreras Winker and Anderson. Uh, and then they got Owen Miller on the bench, but they have just a one through nine, all guys that could be above average bats. Like that's all you can really ask for. Uh, and then you mentioned the, the guys that they have knocking on the door in the minor leagues. The, the guy I'm most concerned about is Garrett Mitchell. And you've got two guys that could plug in for him very yeah, soon and Freelich and Weimer. So I feel really good about this Brewers team. I love what they did with the lineup. If you're not going to have superstars have potentially above average bats one through nine. Three other guys that are kind of like sleepers that could be waiting in AAA. I have no idea how the contract structure works out for some of these guys. Luke Voigt was non-tendered by Washington. Well, Luke Voigt was a non-roster invite here. I think he's a perfect AAA guy ready to come back up. 
Abraham Toro, also acquired of the Colton Wong deal. He's a perfect guy to shuttle between Nashville and Milwaukee. And then Tyler Naquin, who did some good things for the Mets last year. He's waiting behind some of those young guys. So if you want, you know, that veteran presence, you know, say these guys aren't really working out. You want more time in Nashville for them. Tyler Naquin is waiting there. Uh, and of course, your favorite Monte Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> and they brought him back home. Uh, you should have a really, really nice hype video coming up for him coming back home there to Milwaukee. Um, but no, I, I love the I love this team top to bottom. I think they're going to play, you know, good defense overall. Yeah. Uh, I, I I really like the middle infield with with Bryce Turing. I think this is one of the more underrated teams in baseball. If Winker can bounce back and what better place to bounce back than a, a similar type of environment to Great American Ballpark and he's going to get to play in Great American Ballpark a little bit again. Yeah. Uh, I think Winker's going to going to have a nice year this year and that's a big X factor for them. Yeah, no doubts in my mind about the rotation for Milwaukee. I think this is one of the best rotations in all of baseball. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta who's finally healthy again, Eric Lauer and Wade Miley. Unfortunately, Aaron Ashby is hurt at the moment dealing with shoulder fatigue, which is a little nerve-wracking. Um, but you've got that five, then you got Adrian Hauser waiting, you've got Bryce Wilson waiting. Hey, you know what? Maybe Robert Gasser is ready in due time. You know, give him a couple months in AAA. I, I think that they have enough depth options. If Wade Miley sucks, they can go somewhere else. Cause I know for a fact that the front four are not going to suck. And they've even got like an Ethan small, uh, a Jansen junk for mop up plug in right. duties, they're deep in the pitching department. And we talk about like that one, two, three. That's a really good one, two, three with Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. And Lauer as a four is crazy. So yeah. while I don't love Miley as a five, uh, that's a fine five if he's healthy. Like could yeah. be a really solid five if he's healthy. I, listen, he was a Cub last year. I'd prefer Wade Miley as a Cub over Drew Smiley right now, I think. Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. But even if Miley like, doesn't pitch much. He only threw 37 innings last year. Like they've got a million other options. Like, like you mentioned that all could plug in and specifically lefties with small gasser and some of the other dudes. So I think this rotation is going to be again, a strength for them. And it leads into the bullpen, which I know is a little bit mixed, a little bit mixed, but I think it's good. I don't. Wow. Tell, tell me why you think it's all right. Cause Devin is Devin, obviously like one of the best closers in the game, one of the best relievers in the game, but then you got, Matt Bush, who I know throws really hard, had that crazy career arc. He's 37 years old. Peter Strezelecki, Hobie Milner, Javi Guerra, Bryce Wilson, Joel Piamps, Adrian Hauser slated as the opening day uh, bullpen and bullpen depth. I don't like Matt Bush, man. I, I, I know you but that's agree. two. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think it's great, but they, they have a great rotation. And you got the one of the best. I think I think Devin Williams will be one of the best coaches in baseball this year. Yes. Like th that simple will be one of the best closers in baseball. So that always makes me feel a little bit better. I think Matt Bush is a fine setup, man. Peter Strzelecki was, was really, really solid last year. And if you look at what, what also inflated a little bit for, for um, Matt Bush, he, I think he had like four or five opener appearances and sucked. Yeah. Like it was just horrible in him. He was a three, three ERA guy as a reliever. Great strikeout to walk rate, really insane fastball shape there too. Um, so I, I'm just, I think Bush could put it all together this year and be a really solid, really solid setup guy. I agree on the rest of the arms though. Like they went out and traded for Javi Guerra. They traded for Joel Piamps and they traded for Bryce Wilson. Like those are all middle relief guys that are probably not great, but 789 of Strezelecki, Bush and Williams, I think could sneaky be good, especially when you have 
Williams, who could be a top three closer in baseball this coming season. Yeah, I, I'm just worried about a guy like Bush. You, you say, you know, maybe this is the year like he finally figures it out. He's 37 years old. You know what I mean? So like he may start to look 37. That is that is possible. That is possible. Um, I, I like Chris Lucky. I liked him when I saw him in Nashville. I did. My thing is, I think you need four, and they've got fair two and a half. Fair. That's you know? fair. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. I'll give you that. Uh, and, but and, I do wonder, like, who they plug in there. They have the Rule 5 pick in Gus Varland, who's kind of interesting. Maybe Jansen Junk goes into a middle relief role. That's a guy that stuff will probably take up in that spot. Uh, Abner Uribe throws 105, basically, but doesn't know where it's going. That's another option. I just have confidence in the Brewers being able to piece together this rotation. I just don't feel like they're going to let it be bad. But I do agree. You look at roster resource, probably not as good as Brewers bullpens that we've been used to. Yeah, I, I get it, man. All right. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, this lineup is as close to flawless as you could possibly find. The The bullpen is as close to flawless as you could possibly find. And the starting pitching worries have been very well documented on this podcast. But yeah, Wilson Contreras as the opening day catcher. Um, you've got Paul Goldschmidt at first. You likely have Brendan Donovan at second. Tommy Edmund at short. Nolan Arenado in left. Lars New or, uh, at third. Sorry, Lars Newtbar in left. Um, Tyler O'Neill in center. Dylan Carlson in right. Or slap O'Neill in the corner and put Carlson in center. The bench probably looks like Yepes, Gorman, Orlison. Shit, it's Jordan Walker break camp. He's been so good this spring. This lineup is best in baseball. All around, potentially. Deepest no, in baseball, not. no question in my mind, number one deepest in baseball. It, you know, I think when you factor in defense, it's probably the best in baseball. Like in terms of what lineup's going to produce the more most F war, yeah. it's probably this one, right? Because even if Carlson doesn't do what we were, have long been hoping him to do as, an, as, a, as a hitter, he's yeah. still going to back into three war. Um, O'Neal, full season with his defense and offense, it's a five-win player. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm very fascinated to see how some of those other guys, you know, like, like the O'Neill's, like the Carlson's do this year and the new bars, right? Because everybody else, you know what you're getting from Goldie. You know what you're getting from Arenado. You know what you're getting from Nelson or Wilson Contreras. You even know what you're getting from Tommy Edmond at this point. So I'm going to be really interested. And, and Brendan Donovan, I think you can just pencil in for, for pretty much what he did last year to a degree, maybe slightly diminished in the OB, OBP department, but then you have guys on the bench, like most most benches were like, oh, that's a solid plugging guy. Yepes and Gorman could could be impact, impact bats off the bench. So right. I'm really fascinated to see what they do. And you mentioned deep. It doesn't get deeper than, than the St. Louis Cardinals. No, because you got Alec Burleson waiting in the wings as well. You've got Kisner as the backup catcher, but then you have a guy like Ivan Herrera. What do you get from Herrera? How about Trace Barrera, who was just invited as a non-roster invite? So there are catching options behind Wilson. Obviously, you don't need them. Um, I think. What do you think happens to Jordan Walker on opening day? Like, do you think he is in the Memphis Redbirds lineup on March 31? Or do you think he is in the St. Louis Cardinals lineup on March 30? Man, he's made it tough on them. You know, if you asked me before spring training, I'd say no doubt start him in triple. He needs some more time in the outfield. But the one area where the Cardinals may want to try to figure things out or at least you know, roll the dice is DH because you know, they don't have that clear, clear, clear cut guy there though. I think a platoon of Yepes and Gorman is more than good. Yeah. And the I would is- like to see Walker to answer your question real quick. is just, I'd like to see him in triple because I want to see him get reps in the outfield. That's if he's just sitting on the bench, if you put him in the outfield, you're, you're 
negating the fantastic defense that you have between Newt Barr, Carlson, and O'Neal. I want to see him just get some reps in the outfit because it's still shaky out there. He's still he's getting better, but he needs more reps out there. If you're stashing him as a DH, he's not going to get much better th- defensively in the outfield. Sure, he can you know get some live reads and stuff like that in batting practice, but right. I'd like to see him start the year in the minor leagues for for a month or so and and get more acclimated there and see what you have with Gorman and Yepes because if Gorman really struggles, then you have more clarity there as well. Yeah, so that was going to be my follow up, like are you okay with him as the DH because Jordan Walker, like why would you have a top five prospect in the game DH when you could see him get really good in a corner outfield spot? Exactly why I think he should be playing 30, 30, 40 games in, in AAA to start the year and then go from there. Yeah. If he is a terrible defender in AAA, are you okay on April 15? Uh, not April on uh on May 15th. Are you okay on May 15th, like getting him up and it's like, okay, you're the DH. If he's needed, yes. Yeah. But if, like if Gorman and Yepes are raking, unless unless Walker's hitting, you know, has a 1,000 OPS, keep working on the defense then, man. Like that's an important aspect of your game. You're a good athlete. Like the reason why he's a top five prospect is not just because of the bat. It's because he can run. He's got a good arm. He was a, he was a pitcher in high school up to mid 90s. Like, you want to see that guy be able to play the field. And I think he can. He was a, I think he was a sneaky good third baseman. Obviously not going to play third there. I would rather see him get more comfortable in the outfield because he has the tools to be an impactful outfielder. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to save the rotation. Let, let's go to the bullpen. Helsley, Gallegos, Hicks, Hennis is Cabrera, Andre Palante, Zach Thompson, who throws 100 out of the bullpen, former first-round pick, uh, Chris Stratton. No flaws. It's fantastic. No notes. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. No notes there. It's it, it's going to be a strength of a strength for them. Now, with Adam Wainwright on the IL with a groin strain, there goes the opening day starter. So you are likely looking at Miles Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, a healthy Jack Flaherty, thank God, Stephen Matz, and Jake Woodford as the opening day five-man rotation of course, you got Wayno on the IL, but then waiting, you've got Matthew Liberator, Dakota Hudson, and Connor Thomas. Not good enough to win a World Series. No, and and also Flaherty has not really looked that great. Um, I don't. I mean, Flaherty's sitting low nineties. I, I I really I'm really worried about Flaherty really ever being what what a lot of people hoped he would be, and and I think the Cardinals really expecting anything from him. It kind of sets them up for failure with the rest of the rotation. I feel pretty good about Michael, especially after what we saw in the WBC. For I sure. think this guy just just can throw. Um, sure. And Jamon's solid. Uh, yeah, and I think Matt's like is solid. I think Matt's gets a lot of shit for being injury prone, uh, and he is. Like, certainly, you have to have a backup plan for Matt's. But if Matt's is in the rotation, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked fine when he when he did throw last year. I know the ERA is high, but the peripherals were strong, and he struck out plenty of guys, walked nobody. I think Matt's is, is going to be fine for them, if healthy. But, man, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with a Flaherty, a Woodford, hoping Matt's is healthy, and then waiting for Wayno to come back. Like it, I'm just shocked with all of the names that we just mentioned, with, with Burleson. Like, they don't even have to trade an impactful prospect like a Mason Wynn uh, to, to go get an arm. They, they've got to do it at some point. Maybe they'll do it by the by the deadline or early in the season. But I just don't know how you don't trade from that surplus of talent to, to go get an arm that could help this rotation immensely because I, I, I really feel like this rotation is going to hold them back. 
it's it's really tough because like you want to plan for life after Wayno, but you also have to go win a World Series right now. And it, it's just really hard to see this rotation doing anything as currently constructed. And like Liberator, you and I are getting more and more out by the start on Libby. And Connor Thomas, I like him, but he throws 89 to 91. Um, that's not going to win you a World Series. Graceffo is not far away, but you can't count on a rookie to make starts for you unless they look like George Kirby. And Graceffo is not George Kirby. They need to make trades. We've talked about that a billion times this offseason. And I can't even start to throw you names of guys that would make sense for them that would make them better. I just have to place my faith in John Mosellock <laughs> to go be ballsy and go grab a two. I think Libby might end up being one of their one of their more consistent. Like, and I have no faith I, in that. I know he's ticked up a little this uh, this spring for what that's worth. Sat ninety five in his last start, punched out six Tigers over over five innings. But the fastball shape is not that good, no, is it? No, it's not good. It's not good. I, I'm not a huge fan of his. But man, that might that might be someone they got to hope for. He's twenty three. Like that's gonna maybe have to be one of the guys for them. So again, like go get a proven starter. You can maybe package Libertor. There's teams that probably still value him pretty highly. Uh, if you don't want to trade Libertor and have him as depth, like hold on to him and go package Burles. Like we've talked about this so many times. We don't even need to rehash it, but like there's so much talent there uh, top to bottom on and off this 40 man that they could go get a starter. So I, I figure they're going to do it at some point. I'm wondering when, but Man, it's it's crazy that a team that is this talented, that's the defending champ at the Central, is going to roll in with a rotation like this, especially given that Wayno was sitting 86 in the WBC, man, like sitting. Sitting. Maybe closer to 85. Like, yeah. I love Wayno, but this is this is crazy to me. Like, how are they doing this? No idea. I have no clue. All right. As we wrap, predicted order of finish for the NL Central. Oof. I think the Brewers might take this thing, man. Okay. I think the Brewers might take the division. I'm going to go. I'm gonna, but the lineup is so good. Shit. I know. That, that, I know. That, that was and the not bullpen's meant- so good, too. Like, Pallant, I think Palante makes starts for them. Yeah, I think he does, too. I think the Cardinals find a way, actually. Like, I think it's going to be neck and freaking neck, though. But that lineup's just too good over 162. I'll go Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs. Is it the same thing as it was last year? Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Pirates, or are you taking the Pirates over the Reds? I go Pirates. I take Pirates over Reds. Pirates over Reds. Okay, so I've got the exact same thing as you. I think there is a massive gap between the Cardinals and Brewers and everybody else. And I don't think, like last year, there was Cardinals, gap. Brewers, massive gap. Cubs, massive gap. Then Reds, Pirates. I think it's Cardinals, Brewers, massive gap. Cubs Pirates, not a massive gap, and the Reds. I think that I'm, the bottom of this division got a lot better. Yep. No, I'm with you 100%. Like, I would say the same thing to a T. So, there we go. It's just it's just the difference in games, people. But, yes, we both have Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Pirates, Reds. There we go. Every link you need in the show notes. Reminder, episode tomorrow, Peter and I are going to walk through the National League West. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.